three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. Laurie Blake brings all the feds to the yard. Scratch that. It's just one nerd works a slideshow in and out of costume. He could teach you, but he needs more lube. And I am thrilled to be joined by my co-host. Please give it up for Ty. Hey, it's Ty, a.k.a. Senator Keen and Kel. Oh, man. <laughs> you got it, dude. You got the trifecta. It's just three episodes straight of owning these fire AKAs. I trying, couldn't be more trying. proud of you, Ty. Thanks. I, oh, I my really, God. really stretched myself out on these ones, you know, took everything <laughs> I had. <laughs> um, real quick, do you know why, uh, what, my, uh, what my AKA meant? Uh, no. Well, it, it, it's meant to go to the tune of um, Milkshake. But, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but I knew that. But also... Um, that that kid Pete that comes with uh, Lori Blake, yeah, he's he's Lube Man, right? He's Lube Man. Yes, yes, yeah. he is. I actually have a whole uh, article about it, which is pretty fun. Really? Yeah. Th- there's this. Um. I mean, apparently, there's this whole site called Pedipedia, uh, which uh, HBO put out, and like similar to how the original Watchmen comic book had all of these like documents from within that universe for you to get a little bit more world building in there, if you're willing to do the work. Um, you know, the new Watchmen series apparently also has that. And it's this website that HBO put out called PDPedia with like articles and evidence from like cases within that actual world. So I think that's a really cool homage. It is really cool. I don't think we even mentioned it, but basically the Louvre Man is this uh, masked character that Sister Knight chases down. And he takes a bunch of like squirt bottles of lube. <laughs> he lubes himself up and slides into a sewer drain. And that's it. You never see him again. That's all he does. We have no idea what he was, what his intentions were, but uh, that's that's all you see. Just that little thing, and uh, yeah, it's Petey. I guess he wanted to get in on the masked uh, hero business, though. I don't know if he's doing much heroics while sliding through sewers. He met the Ninja Turtles. Hey, Who knows? I I would feel damn heroic if I did that. And just, just <laughs> it was pretty baller. One thing, just one time, be like, oh my god, squirt myself down with SPF six 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 and just, you know, yeah. he was like, fuck the police. As he, exactly. As he yeah. there. <laughs> That's it. And then he, and then, and then you just see like the dramatic shot, uh, like from that Spider Man cover, except it's the Lube Man costume in the garbage can, and he's walking away from it. He's like, I did my job here. Never again, Lube oh, Man. The hero again. we needed. Oh my god, Beatty, Beatty boy. Um, listen, we are here reviewing the the last uh, trimester of HBO's Watchmen. That's right, episodes seven, eight, and nine of this. Uh, what's gonna probably end up being just one season of uh, of this amazing Watchmen sequel. Yeah, uh, intended as one season, uh, in which Damon Lindelof said he will not be working on another, but HBO can pursue it if they wish. Yeah, I heard rumors that he was going to be back in January. I'm assuming that it was this past January 2020 uh, that he was going to be back to, like, see if there were any stories to be told. But I, I really don't, you know, I, I don't think he finds anything. I think he already 
took so many threads that were already left and tied them up. There's not, there's not much left in my yeah. Opinion, to I mean, they, another they season. could do something, but he really does put like a nice uh, ending for for the Watchmen universe for for the most part. You know, ties up those story threads, like you said. Ty is certainly right, listeners. He really does tie up those story threads. Now, we are going to go straight into those story threads, but before that, we actually did quite a bit of housekeeping. So much housekeeping, in fact, that we decided to just put it in a separate episode. So if you want to hear our takes on current events, uh, like things going on with Jacob Blake, DeJon Kizzy, Kyle Rittenhouse, the racial unrest in America, then tune into that, which you can also find on our channel. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and hopefully you'll enjoy the episode. Um, all right. So speaking of good stuff, we're going to we're going to make our way through seven, eight and nine. The last three episodes of uh, Lindelof's uh, Watchmen series. And I say Lindelof because he's the name attached to it. A lot of talented people uh, who are working on it. Uh, but yeah, episode seven starts off with a little um, a little origin story into Dr. Manhattan. And there's some pretty funny stuff like. The Frontiersman, which is the paper that Rorschach reads, uh, which we mentioned in previous episodes, has like you know pretty right leaning like Alex Jonesian views. Uh, they 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 say they call themselves fair and balanced journalism. Do you know what news network that's the tagline for? Fox. Also Fox News. Yep. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, uh, Frontiersman is basically like the Fox News, and they say that Manhattan may be the key to America's new manifest destiny, which. <laughs> uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's the 19th century doctrine or belief that the expansion of the U.S. throughout the American continents was both justified and inevitable, the more you know. Uh, but yeah, it turns out that Dr. Manhattan was an immigrant when he was born. Um, and, uh, well, he wasn't born an immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did immigrate from his mother's womb. Well, Dr. To- Manhattan was, but uh, John wasn't born an immigrant right (laughs) yeah yeah so they you know they go through his history like uh you know they go through his history before he becomes uh dr manhattan and it turns out that uh that you know he actually uh you know came from a single parent household after his mom fell in love with an ss officer they were uh basically escaping germany i believe it it was it was germany right uh it was implied if they didn't say yeah yeah so they were escaping germany and um this doesn't necessarily feed into the uh the the like racism themes that we've been talking about i mean it kind of does because he was you know he was an oppressed individual but i do love uh the arc that they they follow with manhattan here um which we'll we'll talk about as the you know as the episodes progress but uh you know then we also get a flashback into angela abar in vietnam as a little girl and she's looking at these movies, and there's this one black exploitation flick uh, called Sister Night. And, yeah, you know, talking about how, like, you know, how she's married to God, wink, wink. And, um, you know, she's, you know, <laughs> like, this is the, the hero that she based her persona off of. Uh, and, you know, when she gets asked why she picked it, she says, this one looks like me, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um she also was is only alive because of that movie, right? Like uh, her parents oh, wouldn't let yeah. her watch it, and they made her go back to the store to return it. Cause she keeps constantly trying to watch it, and uh, when she went back to return it, uh, you know, a a uh, bomber, a bomber killed both her parents and and many other people. So um, yeah, 
kind of a yeah. Reason being is because her father uh, is a is part of the military, the U.S. military. So you know they destroyed Vietnam in the war using Doctor Manhattan, and uh, you know at this point they you know they're pretty much colonizers, and uh, you know Manhattan. It's it's interesting because there's all this like propaganda about him throughout the background, and it seems like he's celebrated. Uh, but then when you see like the graffiti that people are putting on it, like you can see like they really hate Dr. Manhattan because of what he did to their country. Like he's the reason their country is now the 51st state of the United States. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. he's never really gotten involved before or after. Right? This was his big time. And it was, you know, for for many, uh, for all intents and purposes, it was kind of a failure. You know, obviously the United States won that war and they they acquired Vietnam as a new state, but so many people suffered. And I think he really regretted his role in that. You know, he, uh, you know, you see it in a Watchmen comic a lot too. You know, he, it's not something that he's particularly proud of. And I think that was kind of when he gave up on, on, on acting on, on, you know, humanity and, and getting involved in these kind of situations. Yeah, uh, his, you know, his whole warship, like, kind of reminded me, I don't know, the only thing I could relate it to is, like, how the U.S. is actually, is celebrated in the U.S., <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, how the U.S. is celebrated in North America, I guess you should say, yeah. you know, like, it, it is, you know, it is, I don't know, it's, it, it is kind of surreal just to, like, know what we know and be like, all right, well, people still worship the monsters, so yep. here we yep. go. Very true. Um, you know, I think uh, we're also seeing like uh, while this is happening, Angela is coming down off of her nostalgia overdose. So she's going through her memories and some of them are still, you know, going back and forth. Um, you know, there's this awesome quote and uh, I should know who says it, but I don't remember. But they basically say uh, white men in masks are heroes. Black men in masks are scary, which uh you know, I think refers to why Will Reeves became hooded justice and made everyone think that he was white. Uh, I, I really like how they portray her memories and her grandfather's memories kind of mixing. And, and a lot of the experiences, though, in different situations are, are similar. You know, uh, the, 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 the way she's she's seeing, you know, uh, the bombing that kills her, her family and, you know, the attack on Tulsa, for example. Uh, it's a really, really great way that they, they kind of show their similar shared experiences, having not really known each other beforehand. Yeah, which, you know, plays into last episode's theme of generational trauma. They, they yep. keep that going and they keep it going strong. I think it's really awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, they do end up bringing to justice, quote unquote, the man who was responsible for the bombing that killed Angela's parents. And yeah. you know, she calls him out to the cops and, you know, she she says, uh, you know, that was him. And they put this sack, this black bag over his head, take him into the back to shoot him. And like Angela is all about it. Like she even wants to see it happen. And yeah, she like kind of listen, she says. Yeah, they, she listened to her away. Yeah, and and that's cop. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you say and that. No, I was going to say, and, that, and that's the reason she kind of becomes a cop, because uh, the officer that she's standing with, you know, is like, come find me when you're older. And she gives her a little badge. She knows she's got what it takes to, to do this uh, horrible job, I guess, right? You know, it's yeah. really not, not well, seeming you know, very she heroic. she believes it's justice. She believes everyone she stops is going to be somebody who murdered somebody's parents. Like, yeah. 
you know, it's interesting how both, you know, both her and her grandfather, unbeknownst to each other, were led into becoming cops. But now that she has her grandfather's memories, she's seen them kind of coincide. And she knows she sees a clip of her grandfather getting the black bag put over his head by the cops. And it's all of a sudden like, oh, wow, maybe the lines of justice are a little more blurred than I thought they were. Yeah. You know, so that that was that was really nice. Um, you know, we I don't remember exactly what scene brought this on, but, uh, you know, we we see that uh, white supremacy, you know, evolved, uh, you know, from Cyclops, which is the like white supremacist syndicate that that Will Reeves was hunting down and that they ended up becoming Seventh Calvary. Like, you know, they just you know, same people under a different name. And, you know, that kind of reminds me of like the alt right here, uh, you know, uh, or what, you know, there's. um you know that guy who got who got uh, shot in Portland, Oregon. He was part of something called like the the prayer group or the you know the preacher prayer group or some some patriot prayer. I think it's called. Uh, you know, like we we have the alt right, we have the Proud Boys, we have the Boogaloo Boys. Like you know, it's pretty much it's just all the same thing though. It's all about upholding white supremacy. Like different you know different names, same tactics. Yeah, no. Uh, so Lori Blake, right? She she goes to Jane uh, Crawford to kind of talk to her about, you know, the idea that her husband may have been a member of the cavalry, and uh, you know she she kind of accuses her, and you know Lori's, uh, you know, the way she handles it is not what you would expect from from an agent, but um, <laughs> Jane admits it, right? She's like, yeah, yeah it's true. And this, I think, this threw me off so much. Right? She's you, you so don't cavalier it. about it. Yeah, because, you know, we talked about it in the in the previous uh, episode reviews that we weren't sure if they were really how heavily involved they were, you know? And this kind of shows you they knew. They knew everything that was going on. So, you know, uh, Jane admits it. And she doesn't seem to really care that she's involved. Uh, and then she traps Lori and she even calls Senator Keene and says, you want me to kill her? But, uh, you know, Keen chooses not to. He actually wants to keep her alive. And, you know, uh, there, I, I have this quote written down from when he does talk to Lori. Because Lori basically, you know, accuses them of being a, a white supremacist group, which they are. And he says, you're wrong about Cyclops. We're not racist. We're about restoring the balance when our country forgets the principles upon which it was founded. Because the scales have tipped way too far. And it's extremely difficult to be a white man in America right now. <laughs> I thought that was... Uh. Uh, what a that quote, was perfect. right? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's spot on, right? Like these, you know, these dudes. They, you know, they believe that they're. And I shouldn't say dudes. You know, these people because there are a lot of white women, as we see with yep. Judd's wife, and you know, a, a bunch of them in in our real world. That you know, they 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 believe they are truly upholding the American dream. And and honestly, they are right. They're they're upholding white supremacy. <laughs> they are, that's, yeah. You know, that's what our country was founded on. So, you know, when you see things like like, you know, <laughs> people different people being granted the right to vote or, or whatever it is, like you're like, Oh my god, America's going away. Like, you know, yep. or or I guess modern day, instead of black people being uh you know, given the right to vote, it's more uh, gays being allowed to marry or something like that. And, you know, that's when they go, oh, where, where's my America going? You know, oh, you're you're making it tougher for people to barge into schools and shoot them up as fast as possible. Oh, how dare you? You know, like, I don't know who this sassy conservative I have. <laughs> oh, I know. You're taking America away from me? Nuh-uh, honey. I don't want I'm the Tiger King? You know, oh my God, is that Joe Exotic? Did I go? <laughs> Did you join Joe Exotic? Went full Joe, Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic became me. Is why <laughs> never go full Joe Exotic. Um, but yeah, but you know, 
you're you're right. Like Keen Keen puts it in. It's just you know these are we're just we're not racist. We're just restoring the principles of America, which happen to be racism. Yeah. <laughs> like so they they coincide. He's he's neither you know he's he's not really wrong, but he's also not admitting the full truth. And uh, you know, Lori now sees this this plan that's coming to fruition. You know, their their plan was to um, get Keen elected president, you know, by, by planning the white knight, putting the cops in masks, but now they want so much more, right? They're like, why settle there when when we can we can have the whole world? Uh, and there's also this moment, and uh, once again, I don't remember specifically when this came up, but it's this really great quote that I can't believe, I, I, they must have had a vision into the future, or at least an Adrian Veidt sense of, of foresight. Because there's this quote where they say, what if pretty soon nobody can tell the good guys from the bad guys because everybody's covering their fucking faces and pledging loyalty to their newly elected leader, President Joe? And I was just like, oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Like, that's where we're headed. (laughs) And that's the better turnout. than, (laughs) And it's still bad. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. You know, so, but, but it is interesting. We see that, like, the seventh cavalry is really the controlled opposition, which is something that we've talked about before. You know, I think yeah. that yeah, we have in the Snowpiercer episode, but we see that Joe Keen is he is playing both sides. He's controlling the police and the seven K, and you know, much like the current administration is, you know, he believes he's not a racist, but he is using white supremacists as pawns uh, to you know to achieve you know to achieve his end. And um, I don't know, man. Like I've been talking about this controlled opposition stuff a lot. How like you know people are like, oh well, you know the great thing about our democracy is we can vote for whoever we want, and it's like no, you can't. You can vote for whoever they say you can vote for. Like you know, like er- how everything is just set up. You know, like how yeah, obviously it- Biden was put there. You know, they never would have given our candidate a chance. It's the illusion of choice. That they didn't. Right. Exactly. Like- it's the illusion of choice, and it's you know. And now all of a sudden, if you don't vote for this guy, it's your fault. Things get worse. But it's like, no, like I, <laughs> the, the system is so bad because the people keep allowing it to do this. Though. Yep. I can vote for whoever I want. But if I don't vote between these two parties, I fucked up. Right. That's 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 what they're kind of saying. And it's like, no, if you don't vote, you're allowing Trump to be president. Well, you know, I don't want Trump or Biden as president. Like, where, where's the, where's the solution there? Like, can we get something better? You know, and and we see here, you know, that Keene is going to use everything to to take power. Uh, you know, he wants to be the president. He wants to be, you know, in charge. And uh, these people are willingly helping him. And and so many people think he's the good guy when when he's secretly the bad guy. And, and you know, it's just. It just it just lines up with with what we see in in real life, minus you know the costumed heroes, which, in my opinion, would make things at least a little bit better. Yeah, we get we get the property Punisher. They get you know yeah. fucking <laughs> property Punisher, Lube Man we don't even stuff. Get anti- yeah, we don't even get anti fan. You know, <laughs> we don't even get anti fan. A- Damn it! <laughs> no, we get super villains. We don't get superheroes. That's the problem. We have, <laughs> yeah. we have a lot yeah. of we have a lot of a lot of super villains. Yep. Like. You know, tell me we couldn't go into Arkham Asylum and be like, all right, here they are, Charles Manson. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, so there is, this is more story stuff, uh, which is awesome. (laughs) That's that's all I had to say. I mean, I really really like seeing Angela's backstory. You know, it's... They, you know, they, they talked about earlier, uh, I think in the first episode, you know, how she came from Vietnam and 
She was born there before it became a state. And, you know, it's kind of, okay, this is interesting. You know, so we see that she grew up in an orphanage um, until her. And you want to know what's going on because Angela says she's from Vietnam, but she's black. She's, you know, doesn't even look a little bit Vietnamese. Yep. So you do kind of wonder like, oh, there's a story there, you know. And so it's, it's great to finally see it. Uh, before you uh, talk about what happens just after the orphanage, um, you notice that in the orphanage, they're actually painting those secondhand toys of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And do you know what kind of toys they are? Uh, no, actually. They're nesting dolls. Oh. Which <laughs> hide other stuff inside of them. Uh, but yeah, who comes to visit her? <laughs> uh, her grandmother. Her grandmother comes to visit her. Um, and this is someone she has never met before, right? This is uh, Hooded Justice's yeah. wife, you know? And yeah. It was really beautiful to see them, like, meet each other, too. Yeah, they had this wonderful meal, and they're bonding, and she's like, I'm going to take you home to to Oklahoma, and, you know, you're going to be with me now. And it kind of gives you this moment of hope, and you're like, oh, so that's how she wound up in Oklahoma. Like, you know, know, things are going to get a little better for her, at least. Uh, and then just as they're Wrong. getting in, I guess, a cab, right? Her grandmother has a heart attack and, or, and dies, and that's it. Yeah. She's, she's gone. Yeah. After they eat uh, burgers and borscht, I was yeah. wondering which was it that gave her the heart attack. Oh, God. The burgers or the borscht? Maybe it was both. Who knows? We'll never have that answer. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, we also find out that uh, that the Dr. Manhattan booths are actually uh, just owned by Lady True. Oh, I and love that. that. All of all of the, quote, unanswered prayers, instead of going to actual Dr. Manhattan, they go to her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, uh, you know... If her plan goes through, she might be able to answer those prayers. We'll talk about that. Very true. Very true. Um, But yeah, uh, do we end up seeing? We just do. We just we just go straight from this into present day when she gets her hammer, right? Um. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So um, you know, we 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 finally get to you know to the end of this episode. Uh, in which, um, you know, Angela tells uh, Cal that he has to leave the tunnel, and he doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Cal is her <laughs> husband, yeah. you know. He's, you know, he's reading for whom the bell tolls. You know, uh, you know, just you know, laying down on the couch. Um, and so this kind of made me think, like, do you like leaving the tunnel? Like, it, you can kind of equate it to it's time to get out of your comfort zone and get involved because, like, you can't run from the fr- the fight anymore. Like yeah, I think that makes sense and... because that's what he's always done, right? Like almost every time, and yeah. you know, she she needs him to to stop being uh, a slave to fate. You know, like he actually has to act for once. Yeah, and um, and also this goes back to Wade's episode where being in the tunnel is actually being in the past with your trauma. In this version, uh, Cal being in the tunnel is is him you know, living in the present, you know, uh, huh. Interesting because, uh, you know, we do find out that Cal is actually able to go all throughout time. Uh, <laughs> Angela takes a hammer to his head. Um, just after saying it's time to wake up, babe, or something like that, or time to wake up. John takes a hammer straight to his forehead, pulls out, uh, this little metal ring that looks like a hydrogen molecule. And of course it begins to glow, uh, from off screen. And we see that this entire time, Cal has actually been Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. He's finally there. I want you to just tell me everything about episode eight because 
I feel like this is like your favorite episode, right? Yeah, I think I think it's my favorite. I really like the Hooded Justice one, um, but I, I think as a Watchmen fan, this one's my favorite. Uh, you know, I watching this series, I didn't think you would see Doctor Manhattan. I thought you would always see him like off to the side or on you know a TV screen. Like I never thought they'd give you Doctor Manhattan. Um, and, and you know, this episode begins with uh, there's a uh, it's in Vietnam and. There's like a Dr. Manhattan Day, right? Like where everyone's wearing, you know, Dr. Manhattan masks. Yeah, and they're all like cosplaying. And yeah, stuff like and it's a big party and celebration. And, yeah. you know, Angela is in, I guess it's a bar. Um, and Yes, uh, because a god walks into a bar. A god walks into a, a bar. Yeah, what a great yes. title. A uh, and we see, you know, in the street, this, this man pick up a Dr. Manhattan mask and put it on. And you can see that his head is blue, right? Whether it's painted or not, um, it's Doctor Manhattan, right? He walks in, he talks yeah. to, he talks yeah. to Angela. Um, Guys, and she, watch the episode visually; they do a lot of really great stuff. They do. Um, it's just you know, awesome. It's just they do so much. Like, ugh, I, I can't do it justice, but yeah. we'll, I we'll try. Five we'll notes try. for this because, like, it's not related to our our themes specifically, but it's just so good. So we yeah. kind of have to talk about it. We have bit, to. But, I mean, and yeah. it all leads to to the finale, obviously. Yeah. So, so what's bringing Doctor Manhattan into this bar in the first place? Uh, he wants to talk to Angela Abar, right? Um, he he basically, you know, the way Doctor Manhattan works is time is kind of all happening at once for him. Uh, he doesn't view it the same way normal humans do, uh, and so he's constantly, you know, he's in the past, he's in the present, he's in the future, and he knows that he's going to fall in love with her right here, you know, or, or in the future actually he's going to fall in love with her, uh, and he, he has is. to meet her here, and you know she doesn't buy it, she doesn't believe that he's really Doctor Manhattan. Everyone's dressed up like this. She wants nothing to do with him, but he keeps trying to convince her. He, she's like, he's like, what if I tell you why you're here? And she doesn't believe he can do it. And he's like, oh, well, you know, you're you're mourning your parents' death, right? Because they, they died on this day, you know, however many years ago. Um, and, how do you know that? Like, What's that? She says, how do you know that? I don't remember what he says. He says, you'll tell me in 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so there's a lot of that, you know, and they're, they're conversing. And, and while he's talking to her, we see this, you know, they actually skip through time in the episode, right? We, we see all different instances of Dr. Manhattan talking to different people with, you know, the, the voiceover. And we, we learned so much about what has led to this point. Um, you know, Dr. Manhattan, he's talking to Adrian Veidt at one point, right? Uh, while he's simultaneously talking to Angela. And we, we figure out, you know, that he went to Adrian, they, they spoke, and Adrian actually gave him the, the device, right, that is in his head. Um, so that he that could would make him human. Yeah, it'll make him human. It'll block out, uh, you know, his abilities. It won't allow him to know he's Doctor Manhattan. He can actually become a human again and escape, you know, this uh, this fate that he's been tied to. Um, and at the same time, you know, while talking to Adrian, he he does discuss how he created life, right? And he he can, you know, upon discussing with Adrian, Adrian decides to. To kind of go to this place, right? He wants to see this life that Doctor Manhattan's created. I think he's done with Earth. He's had enough. He's he's saved it more or less, you know. In, in according to him, he's saved humankind, and and he wants something different, right? Would you would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, and Doctor Manhattan, you know, he creates life on uh, Jupiter's moon Europa, 
where Vite has been, for lack of a better word, banished to. And all of the people that inhabit this are both copies of the two people that housed uh, little Doc Manhattan, little John Osterman, when he was on the run from the Nazis, I think. And, um, yeah, you know, and they, you know, they just told him that, like, he should create. Like, that's what he should do one day is create. And so this right here is what leads uh, the Dr. Manhattan arc to be one of my favorite arcs of this whole story is that we see in watch. Oh my God. I'm getting so excited because it actually is the perfect continuation for Watchmen. In my opinion, he, the entire story that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did, we see a man who becomes a God and drifts further away from being human. And in this story, we see that he's actually been human the whole time, just not, exactly the same as everybody else because he models this entire place after a place that he was uh in in his childhood you know he he decide he does decide to get involved in certain things here and and he cares enough about being a human that he gives up his godhood so that he can be human again and uh and i really i really do think it is it is a beautiful thing to to see that arc play out in that you know he, he was always there you know, yeah, well, I mean, the way. end of the Watchmen comic uh, and movie, you know, he's done with humanity. He has lost touch with them. Same, and, yeah. Right, yeah, right. And, and then, <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Uh, he, you know, realizing that Lori Blake, the Silk Spectre, is the daughter of the comedian and uh, the original Silk Spectre, you know, it, it's such a... I forget how they put it, but it's such a a crazy event, right? It's like a he calls it a miracle, a, a miracle, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, the comedian tried to rape her, and then somehow, some way, years later, they got together, made love, and had this child. So like, she's actually inspires him again to believe in humanity. You know, this is the miracle he's been looking for uh, that you know awakens him again. And though he does leave Earth for for a while, and, and you know he goes to Europa, um, it's such an inspiration for him. So I think that's what kind of ultimately guides him back to trying to become a human. Uh, and it's it's a great journey. It's it's one that the Watchmen comics set up, and they're they're paying off here. So you know, for anyone who was you know uh, I, I guess offended by the by the show, didn't feel like they did a good job translating Watchmen or, or doing a sequel to it. They're really, they really are, you know, they're doing justice by, by at least Dr. Manhattan, if anything. Um, and I think Adrian's journey is, is finally, there's some payoff here too. It uh, is realized it, and it is, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. You know, we, they kind of keep in the dark for most of the show. You don't really understand what Adrian's role is. Um, he's not really doing much that ties into the rest of the world, but you know, once you realize how he's aided Dr. Manhattan here, and then he's gone to Europa uh, to live among these clones, these these people that that uh, Dr. Manhattan has has created here. Um, it, it really it really brings everything together, and I I think Adrian's such an interesting character because you know he considers himself a hero, a savior, and yet he's so easily bored, right? Like by people, by by their problems. I mean, he kills these people on Europa like they're nothing. He, he he wants to come back to Earth, the place he wanted to leave so badly. I don't think he can ever really be satisfied. He's a narcissist. Um, he, he's, you know, they say the most intelligent person in the world. And there is no equal to him except possibly Dr. Manhattan. Uh, and yet Dr. Manhattan, I think, in many ways is more connected to humanity than he is. You just blew my fucking mind with that. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> You're absolutely right. He, he is. Um, it's like Superman, right? Like they, yeah. You always say like Superman is, is one of the most human superheroes out there in, in a lot of ways, even though he's he's a Kryptonian. And I think it kind of the same thing here, you know? And, and Vite just... He just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand compassion. He doesn't understand emotions. He doesn't understand love. He's never felt love. And Dr. Manhattan has on several occasions been in love. Yeah, and the thing is, like, he doesn't even say, like, oh, like, this is a chemical reaction, blah, blah, blah. Like, he literally says, like, all right, this is the moment I'm falling in love with you. And, uh, you know, this is what it's all led to. And, um, you know, it's important to note here that before Dr. Manhattan became human, he modeled himself after a man who looks like Cal. So he was, you know, tall, muscular, sexy, fucking seven inch flaccid uh, black man. And which is um, a fun scene because he lets Angela like Angela's trying to give him yes. a corpse of someone that uh, has no family. And she gives him three choices and he goes, uh, is there another one? You know, and she pulls out another one. And he's like, that's the one, you know, he knows that's the one yeah. she wants. So uh, yeah. he lets her kind of choose his model because he doesn't care. He just wants to be with her and whoever she wants him to, to mimic, to look like he'll do it because he just wants to be human and at her side. Which, uh, you know what I think is interesting about that is, because I've been trying to think, like, is that appropriation? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Is, yeah. He's a, you know, he's a white man becoming a black man. But the thing is, in the in 59, when he first became Dr. Manhattan, um, you know, he, he grew himself back bit by bit. And he was not the same man he was when no. he got shredded in that in that uh, in that machine. You know, I mean, he, he ceased to be generator. a white man named John. Right. I mean, he's, yeah, he he's a, blue a blue man, muscular man. But, <laughs> yeah. but that being said, this blue muscular man does have Eurocentric features. He does. Uh, or he does have European features, rather. Um, however, now when he gets out of being Cal, he still remain he still retains Cal's African features, except he just has blue skin yeah. and a bald head. Because uh, at the end of the day, unsettling, but it he, is what it is. Yeah, it is a little unsettling. It kind of <laughs> me out of first, but he, you know, he can look like anyone he wants. He can change his appearance at will. He wasn't created one way. Um, you know, he, he could be anything and anyone, which I think, uh, you know, you could even look at it like, you know, uh, maybe trans folks, you know, who who choose to be who they feel they are inside. And Dr. Manhattan can do that at any time, um, which is, you know, such a, a an amazing gift for himself and, and for the ones he loves. And he chooses to be his ideal self, which yep. is the black man that Angela fell in love with instead of being the omnipotent God who who is is a god and isn't human anymore i think he you know he chooses to be as as human as he as he can here you know this is this is his uh his true self yep i you know the first time i watched it i didn't really get that you know i i was a little like it's kind of weird that he stayed like that i'm like why wouldn't he revert (laughs) back to his original form but upon another viewing i you know i i come to the same conclusion and and i do agree and you know that's uh, it's a powerful moment that he decides to to stay like that, uh, and so like throughout this episode, you know, we see him constantly talking to Angela in the bar, and we see other times where he's uh, he 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 says there we're gonna have a fight, you know, and she's like we're not gonna fight, and you know, lo and behold, they do have a fight, and I think one of the things that that I always find so interesting about Manhattan is that I, I said this earlier, he's a slave to fate, he doesn't believe he can change things. So, you know, they wound up having the fight, and she's sitting there, and he had told her he huh. was going to be asked to leave by her. And she says, do you need me to say it? And he says, yes. Like, even though he knows that 
that she wants him to leave, he needs her to, to physically say the words before he goes. And, and I find that, you know, we, we see that constantly happening with him, happening with him, that he can't make his own decisions, um, which is so different from Angela, who doesn't believe in fate. You know, she believes she can change it, that, you know, if she acts, she can she can do whatever needs to be done. And I think that's such a, a distinct difference between the two of them. And you did make comparisons between him and Adrian Veidt. And Veidt is somebody who is constantly trying to control the course of, of fate. Yeah. Whereas Dr. Manhattan uh, just kind of witnesses it at all times and uh, and chooses not to intervene. One last thing about this, and then we'll move on to episode nine. Uh, I did think it was interesting. Uh, well, it wasn't this episode specifically, but it was the one before where Keen says that his plan is to become Dr. Manhattan. Uh, basically, like, you know, him and the and all the white supremacists have been uh, getting together a way in which to trap Manhattan and then transfer his energy and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this uh, this reminds me of, you know, just another guy who's trying to go blue to save America. Um, and, you know, and uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, try and take the power of the black man. That's that's that's, that's all it is. Now that yeah. Dr. Manhattan's black. Uh, you know, it's, it was actually kind of, it rang Get Out to me just because of, uh, uh, oh, definitely. you know, Yaya being the actor. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, this episode just, it's an incredible Watchmen episode. You know, even if you you just watch it on its own, they they totally nail the tone of it, the way Dr. Manhattan acts. He's, he's con- you know, he's having a conversation and he's he's literally talking to Angela and Adrian at the same time, you know, it, it, they just, they really, really nail how, how this would go uh, as portrayed in the Watchmen movie and the Watchmen comic. Um, and I, I just really, really enjoyed it as, as a fan of, of, you know, the work and, and it does set up, you know, the finale. Yes. Uh, you know, there's also, there's great story stuff in here with uh, time paradoxes and everything too. This is also the first one I think that has a post credit scene in which um, Adrian Vite, uh is uh you know found guilty and um and this is where he finally gets the horseshoe in the cake uh from mr phillips right 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 yes it's where Which he i never watched i just saw it in a recap and i was like oh fuck right cool. and then, um, and then... You know, <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. if we want it to be relevant to the politipop podcast uh it turns out that that the, the the game warden was actually a mr phillips who adrian Vite just gave a mask to and he knew that the mask would make him think he was better than everybody else let's quit the mask to wearing a badge and boom okay we're, we're good we're all relevant here people <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh but yeah, you know, and uh, they keep ringing through the theme of, uh, you know, American imperialism in Vietnam. Uh, it turns out that at the beginning of episode nine, there were a bunch of uh, Vietnamese refugees who Adrian Veidt was uh, housing, uh, you know, in exchange for, for labor, I think. Yeah. Slavery? Maybe he was paying yeah. them. Yeah. I, I think mm. he probably was. He probably was. Uh, not, but what not, is one Probably of not fair women... wages. Probably not. Probably not. Um, what, do, what does one of these women do? She sneaks into, I guess it's a study, right? And... Uh, you know, hacks into his computer and, and then, studying porn, fucking pervert. <laughs> and it reveals that he has a collection of his own semen. Uh, I guess to you know to create his own children if he ever needed to in the future or whatever his plan is. And she steals a vial of it. Yep, and uh, she uses it to impregnate herself, thus giving birth to Lady True, um, and uh, creating the world's smartest woman. Yeah, <laughs> and, who, uh, who may just rival Adrian Veidt himself. Yes, uh, you know, in that in that quick storyline about them, uh, it turns out that 
that she had actually come to Adrian and he said that he was never going to call her daughter. He was never going to give her anything, even if she thought she would save the world with it, you know, with all that money that he gave all of his money away and pulled himself up by his bootstraps. And that's what she's going to have to do, too. Uh, and so she ends up doing just that and buying out a bunch of Adrian Veidt's companies. And, you know, uh, you know, I think she told him about a satellite that she was going to have crossing Europa to take a picture of Dr. Manhattan or something. Yep, yep. And, uh, and Adrian Veidt turns out that he had timed it perfectly. He was throwing all those dead, uh, Crookshanks and Phillips bodies, uh, through, uh, so that way he could rearrange their bodies to say, save me daughter, uh, which is why, uh, at the at the scene that begins at the Clark farm when Lady True buys that, uh, buys that plot of land and something crashes down, that's actually Adrian Veidt who was saved by his daughter in a spaceship. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he is now uh, encased in gold. So the entire time we see the gold Adrian Veidt statue throughout the, seri- throughout the season, it has been the real Adrian Veidt. He just doesn't get thought out until the very last episode, which is so awesome. I, l- I really like that. Yeah, I, and, and you know, we see as, as he's begging his daughter to save him, you think it's a moment of humility. Uh, as he's entering the spaceship, the, the game warden attacks him, right? And he, he kills him. I and, love this. And the warden says, Master, was I a worthy adversary? And Adrian just looks at him and goes, no. <laughs> like, he just, <laughs> he is so full of himself. He, even in this man's last moments, he can't just lie to him. Uh, and, and, you know, the disappointment on this man's face as he dies, it's it's brutal. You know, and, you know what's really fucked up? That Dr. Manhattan probably knew Vite was going to do all this shit. Yeah, he did. the people that he modeled after the people who saved his life. Um, and he was like, eh, I'm with it. <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, he just care. doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, fun fact. Angela and Lori Blake are Eskimo sisters. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it turns out that we know that she saves him, not because she actually cares, but because she wants him to be there for her crowning achievement. Uh, you know, I think we could skip ahead a little bit. We've done that this whole time. Her, her ultimate goal has been to uh, take Dr. Manhattan's powers once um, the cavalry makes their move on Dr. Manhattan. It all, you know, in the previous episodes, we had learned that the cavalry knew where Dr. Manhattan was, and that is the reason why Angela needed to wake him up uh, by smashing his head in with a hammer so that he could fight back against the cavalry before they could take him. Um, but Lady True, much like Adrian Veidt, has been manipulating everyone. She is a, a master strategist, an absolute genius. Uh, she's been playing everyone to, to you know, to her motives and, and her uh, ultimate end goal there. Um, and she, you know, she wants her, her father to witness this. She wants him to see her pull herself up by her bootstraps because he said there, I won't give you anything, right? I, I worked my way up and you'll do the same. And, and that's what she's done here. The game warden attempts to shoot Adrian Veidt, and he catches the bullet again. Yeah, which, like in the original Watchmen, right? <laughs> yeah, which I thought was great. I was like, I said, my dude still got it. He got the bullet. <laughs> he does. He does still have it. That was pretty cool. That was honestly really cool. You know, you know, exactly. that's how that's how great he is. You know, you don't realize that he was uh, very capable. He he could literally, I guess, calculate how to catch a bullet. He doesn't have super strength or speed. He's just very very intelligent and very. Skilled. Yeah, he would be like basically an evil Batman. Yeah. Oh God. You know, or not evil, but whatever he is. Um, 
you know, I uh, oh, that's where I wrote. He also goes uh, believes he can blo- go blue to save America. You know, it is interesting how like Keen, uh, he does have so many uh, similarities to uh, to racists in real life who like they kind of subvert it. Like they won't outright say that they don't like black people or people of color, but. You know, they'll say like, oh, like he says, we're not going to apologize what happened, you know, for something that happened before he was born. Um, You know, oh, we don't want our guns to be taken away and blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, he also says uh, that Robert Redford, the puppet president, has diminished the white man's position in America. And that goes to this whole idea of white genocide, which is a constant uh, term that white supremacists are using. Like they believe that if other people are given equal footing as then, that it's going to lead to white genocide, that, you know, anything, even if it's uh, in entertainment or, or, or more people of color being voted into positions of office or or like giving getting more rights, it, it, it really just blows my mind. Uh, you know, but that's that's the thing. Like they, I think the idea is because like white people just kind of inherently had all of this stuff from the beginning, and you know now people are are going to be on the on the same footing, like having fully earned it the entire way. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, I think you know they're afraid of that's the only bit of superiority you had. You know, just because a few of your ancestors had muskets. Um. But yeah, there's also this interesting moment where he calls, or it's interesting to me, he calls Angela a black bitch. Yeah, I was going to bring that up too, because they could have easily just had him call her a bitch, right? Like, he obviously doesn't like her, but the fact that he uses black bitch goes to show he is a racist, right? Like, don't forget it, but as much as he might deny it, uh, her color does matter to him. Well, he could have easily called her the N-word too. He could have. He could have. You know, it reminded me of how uh, when... Uh, when Will Reeves was being lynched, one of those cops has said, you know, like, listen, you know, keep your black nose out of our white business, you N-word. Yeah. And, you know, it's the exact same intention, even though it's different words. Like, nowadays, they'll call, like, black people thugs and savages and stuff like that, you know, but you know exactly what you mean. Like, c- come right out and say it, because, you know... I think he thinks he's better than that, though, right? Like... He does. In his mind, a he's not a racist, do. so he's like, I'm not going to use the N-word, but I'll call her a black bitch. You know, he's thinking the same thing. He just, you know, he's not going to, you know, make himself look worse than he is. He's he's going to be the damn president, right? Like, he's, he's he wouldn't sink that low. You know, the, 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 there is an amazing climax here. So definitely check it out. Uh, you know, it involves, uh, you know, us finding out that Lady True's daughter, Beyond, is actually a clone of her mom. Uh, so that way she can have both her mom and her father there to witness her success. And, uh, you know, we, we find out that, that oh, Looking Glass actually uh, defeated all those 7K guys, that killed all of them who, who raided his bunker. And he ended, up, um, he ended up taking one of their masks and going undercover. So he was, like, there in the finale as well with Lori Blake and Angela. Yep, uh, yep. You know, Adrian Veidt ends up, um, you know, letting loose another uh, another wave of of little mini squids that he's been doing to keep everyone in check except he freezes them this time so it's gonna like you know murder uh you know murder well his daughter i was gonna stop her from becoming (laughs) dr manhattan because keen's plan failed fantastically Um, i mean it did and it didn't because i mean we kind of skipped a lot here yeah Uh, you know obviously a lot yeah the the seventh cavalry did come for dr manhattan uh, you know, it, it, when when Angela awoke him, uh, and Doctor Manhattan, you know, makes her kids disappear, sends them to her grandfather, 
which you know pisses her off <laughs> and uh yeah he's acting very erratically because he's not, he's still trying to to get back to who he is he doesn't he's hung know. over basically yeah basically he's hung yeah. over from humanity and you know he's at, i gotta i'm hungry i gotta make food i gotta make breakfast you know he's got he's got this carton of eggs that that angela smashes and um yeah, while well, he's trying to make waffles and stuff. Yeah, and, and and you know the cavalry does come, and Angela's like, "I'm not gonna let them take you." So she busts out all her weapons, and she goes out there, guns blazing, and she kicks their asses. Right? She's she's fighting them. There's tons of them, but there's too many. And so Doc Manhattan comes out, and he fights them himself, and he's just fucking making these guys blow up all around him. Oh God, what a great sight! You know, just and to at, see white supremacist heads explode. Yeah, and, and but then we see here again. He could easily stop this from happening, and he lets it. You know, he stops, and she's like, "We did it." And he goes, "We didn't, right? Now they're still gonna get me." And he and he lets them shoot him with this this teleporting gun, I guess, <laughs> however you want to describe it. Um, and and he's captured by the cavalry. And I, I just thought it was so interesting. He had so much time. You know, he knew it was gonna happen. He could have stopped it, and yet he still lets fate happen he doesn't think he can defy it and and he he falls in this trap and he's trapped in this cell made by by these uh these old batteries yeah lithium batteries batteries, the only thing that can block him you know it it can't let him him focus let him think so he's he's stuck right he he doesn't know what time he's in or where he is or or anything he's all thrown off and that's why angela comes here to storm this place and take him back and she can't she can't actually kill all these guys and save him um but adrian veidt like you said, he releases a squid attack because he's going to save the day again. He's going to foil his daughter. This blew my mind how he managed to do this. Like, wow, okay. You want to explain it? More? No, 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 oh. no. You, you, you keep going. I love listening to you, but like, but it, it did, it did blow my mind that it's like, wow, it's up to him to save the day again, and unfortunately, he has to destroy Greenwood. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So you know, his plan is to send these harmless squids that will will land in like a five block radius here. Um, but he's going to freeze them before the impact so that it's basically dropping these, like, you know, these glaciers uh, down onto the street. It's going to destroy everything and kill everybody there. And, you know, there's a couple of great moments here um, where he talks about how his daughter's a narcissist and she has to be stopped. She thinks she's going to use Dr. Manhattan's powers to save the world and make it better. But he knows that deep down, you know, she's just so full of herself that she doesn't really have yeah, the right so intentions. Yeah, so much hubris. You know, so and- this actually, real quick, gave me a bit into Manhattan's character too, though. Yeah. Because I, the whole time I was thinking she couldn't do that because once she gets the power of Manhattan, she's going to be so aware that everything is meaningless and she's not going to care about what she did in humanity but meanwhile there have been so many breadcrumbs that have been left to say that manhattan very much does care about humanity and and his own humanity at that and you know he's like it it has been a part of him this whole time so so yeah yeah, you know we we don't know how she would really could react to it you know she might follow in his footsteps or be something else entirely become maybe this monster that could rule the entire world you know no one could stop her then um, but yeah, you know, uh, I think Lori makes a comment like, Oh, a narcissist, huh? And he says, it takes one to know one, you know, Adrian's not, <laughs> he's not a fool. He's not going to lie. He you know, he knows that he's yeah. a narcissist as well, but that's why he's the best chance of stopping her. Um, and he, and he, you know, he's basically like, uh, making Wade his, his, his servant, right? He's like, you check that temperature. You do this. Like he doesn't even know his name. doesn't care. <laughs> and then he finally yeah. says, well, I hope you don't, uh, there's no one you like down there or love down there. Cause he's going to kill everybody. 
right? That's his plan to to kill them. And, and yep. she says, you know, are, are we going to be able to save John? And he says, oh, I'm, I'm fairly certain John's already dead. You know, we're just going to stop my daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. That and, was, and, you know, what's interesting is that Wade doesn't really, like, try and knock out Adrian here or anything. Like, you know, Wade's entire reality was based off the lie that Adrian uh, perpetuated. And yet, yep. like... All right, like let's just do what we got to do right now. I think everyone's also kind of in shock at what's going on. I think so too, and I think they proved Wade's a good guy, right? At the end of the day, he's he's not a bad guy. He didn't join the cavalry for real, you know. He he, I think he really does believe in justice, and and you know he he doesn't want to let this happen. He doesn't want the cavalry or True to get Doctor Manhattan's powers at this point, so he's just gonna go along for the ride, you know. He he's kind of relegated unfortunately to a very minor character in these these episodes and doesn't really have a huge role towards the end, but uh, I was glad he was there. And Angela just narrowly manages to escape uh this this whole um uh this whole barrage of of frozen squids and she makes her way to the Dreamland Theater, which is where everything started. The entire show started there. It's also where they had Black Oklahoma. Uh, she makes her way to the Dreamland Theater, and who else is there but her grandfather, Will Reeves, and of course the you know the kids are sleeping on the set of Oklahoma. Um, one oh one thing I did uh, forget to mention is that Adrian Veidt's whole plan to save the world was to use its uh, Earth's own systems against them, yeah. like to manipulate those systems into making the world a better place. But meanwhile, it seemed like Lady True's whole idea was to wipe it from the beginning and like do her own thing. Like, you know, she needed the power of a god in order to in order to achieve true change because a human changing humanity is just going to keep it human at its core. Yeah, yeah. I yep. So I, I also so I thought it was uh it was definitely something that Angela uses um she's trying to plead to Keen, right? When he calls her a black bitch. He she's trying to tell him, like, you know, Lady True knows you're doing this. She's she let you steal these lithium batteries. You're you're a pawn in her game. Uh, you know, don't do this. <sighs> yep. And his to tell own, the white supremacist that he's, <laughs> you know, blind and being used. Yep. And his own narcissism gets him killed as he tries to take Doctor Manhattan's powers. Um, and Doctor Manhattan does die shortly after this. Uh, you know, as Lady True does does kill him, takes his powers. And I thought there was like a really beautiful moment between him and Angela. Where you know he turns back into Cal completely for a moment, and you know and he tells her he loves her, and uh, uh, it was he great. dies. And yeah, and I think you know he he did tell her. He said, um, you know, like the whole reason he didn't teleport her away was just that he didn't want to be alone when he died. Like yeah, he, you know he saw it, and um, you know, and that right there was the most human thing to me. And I'm like, okay, he's been human this whole time. He has been, yep. And and the unthinkable, you know, you don't think he can be killed, but he can. And I, I am kind of surprised that he can be killed because he reformed himself from dying the first time. But, yeah. you know, they Well, it reminds you that, you know, he is a human. Yep. So Angela afterwards, you know, makes it to the theater, reunites with her grandfather and, uh, and her kids. And, and when she is with uh, her grandfather, the kids are sleeping, and he gives her this nice speech about how, like, you can't heal under a mask. Like he thought it was like anger this whole time. Like like let's you know bring it back all around to the black experience. That's what this whole show was about. And he's saying like it wasn't anger I had; it was fear. And I think like you know if we take a look at 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 Black Lives Matter and everything, and uh, you know just civil rights movements in the past, and uh, you know social justice movements. 
you can view it as anger and indignation over stuff that has happened, but I think more so it is also fear of of what's going to keep happening in the future. Yeah. You know, like how soon after after Jacob Blake did uh, Dijon Kizzy happen? Like, it, yeah, it's it's insane, man. You know, like so. I mean, I don't know. Just it's um, I don't know. It's just a shame. Like that is the black experience, and I'm not saying like black people are scared people. Obviously not, but. You know, do you have a better chance of mouthing off to a police officer and getting away or talking shit about them on a rap record? Like, why do you think that makes its way into so much music? Yep. You got to express yourself somehow, right? You know, just then, you know, I I wrote the mask of like being tough. And you just think that, you know, all of us do this. But, you know, I, I think the, you know, the black community is also a part of this is that like, you know, you gotta you gotta pretend to be tougher. You gotta you know pretend like nothing phases you and and that you're strong all the time and everything because, you know, you don't really have a choice. And um, you know, Will Reeves, once again, Lewis Gossett Jr. really nails this role as just an older man speaking from experience and just saying, you know, you you can't heal under a mask. And and you know, I think maybe that's why he didn't wear the mask when he killed uh, Judd Crawford and um. You know, that for all the, you know, the the character of, of the hooded justice, it was always Will Reeves inside, and it was Will Reeves' justice, because hooded justice technically is a white guy, right? Like, the hero. But, yeah, you know, in reality, it, it, you know, it, it is all about that justice for Will Reeves, and it goes back to Tulsa, it goes back to everything, and, you know, this whole show is about legacies, and um cycles and inherited trauma and so if you know if you are listening to this now and you haven't thought about any of those things you know please do just you know watch 13th by Ava DuVernay that was the first thing that opened me up to it that you know uh history may be in the past but it is it has it has shaped our present and is going to continue to shape our future and that you know if you don't know how the 13th Amendment is still enslaving black people legally and and how there are so many other systemic ways that people of color have been have been marginalized in this country just just look into it you know and you know if you're the type of person who doesn't want to feel guilty or anything guess what you don't have to like you said you didn't own slaves back then but yeah you know but don't keep encouraging these systems don't keep enforcing them you know be an ally and, and you know Angela being being a police officer here, um, she was being used by the Seventh Cavalry as well, right? They their whole plan was to put these people in masks and have them do their bidding, and uh, you know it's something that we actually see in history with the police, right? You know, making uh, you know black police officers or people that they know uh, will help them look like they're not the bad guys, right? It's 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 their mask, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and, yeah, well, and, you know, we have black police officers. We're yep, not racist. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, Angela leaves her mask behind, I believe, at the end here. Uh, you know, she's she's obviously come to realize everything that's happened and and been a part of this, and, and she's done. She's done hiding behind the mask again. Also, if you haven't listened to Behind the Police yet, they do mention that that's how uh, the, the trope of the Irish policeman came into being is because it was like one of the first legitimate sources of income like or paths to a career that Irish people had and yep. into being accepted. 
So, you know, they, they just had to do it to be accepted and then become a part of the oppressors. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there's this great moment where, uh, you know, Lori Blake is finally taking an uh, Adrian Vite. I think at this point, Wade does knock him out from behind. Lori's taking him in and, and Wade goes like, what, are you going to arrest the president too? And she goes, sure, why not? And that was so fantastic to me. Like, guess what? Bring them all down, brother. You know, anyone yeah. who's not, you know, who who's, you know, who's who's complicit, you know, the system, the system needs us more than it needs them. You know what I mean? Or, well, the, the ideal system needs us more than it needs them. At the, you know, and at the end, the police finally take their masks off because 7th Cavalry has been defeated. Yeah. And, and, you know, Adrian being arrested for his crimes in, in 1985 is a nice cap off for his story um, from the original Watchmen. You know, Rorschach sent the journal out in the hopes that the truth would get out and he would pay for it. And, you know, Night Owl, Dr. Manhattan, Silk Spectre, they kept it. They kept it a secret. And uh, it, it's finally going to. Finally, he's finally going to pay for it. And I think it's important that Lori is the one, you know, helping arrest him because when her and, and Wade arrive at his his lab, you know, Wade's like, you knew? <laughs> she knew this whole time, and, and she's finally going to act on it. Yeah, you're right. She was complicit in everything. And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it did work out, right? Like, it the did. world became a better place. It's, you know, and, uh, you know, we didn't talk about any of it, but, like, throughout the Watchmen world, there there are these amazing multicultural eating spots because of the, uh, you know, like, the melting pot, uh, you know, the world became. So, <laughs> you know, which yeah, is why burgers yeah. and borscht is a thing in Vietnam for some reason. Yep, yep. Um, but, you know, but, yeah. And, you know, we could talk about the ethics of being complicit in that, uh, you know, as, as long as we want, but that's another time. Um, you know, I do think that the, you know, the, the ending was, was beautiful and that, you know, Angela gets back home and she's, you know, cleaning everything up. She finally lets her, you know, grandfather in and, you know, gives him a place to, uh, to sleep. And, you know, as she's cleaning everything up, she finds one egg that was unbroken. And she remembers that, I mean, they didn't have to tell me the flashback. I remembered from the last episode, but whatever. Don't reward the people who pay attention. Um, you know, she asked Dr. Manhattan if he could create life, and, and he creates an egg. And, and she's like, uh, you know, could you give your powers to somebody else? And he says, well, I could imbue this egg with my powers, and if you ate it, you know, you would get them. Uh, but she just cracks the egg in his beer, and he drinks it because, you know, she's still not convinced by him. She thinks he's talking bullshit. But as she sees this egg here, she... Cracks the thing open, doesn't fucking cook it for some reason. Um, <laughs> I guess she's she, afraid she'll cook out the, the powers? I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, she eats it raw and she goes out to the pool. Shortly after Cal became Dr. Manhattan again, he was standing on the water of the pool. And she says, what the fuck are you doing on the pool? Get off, get off the pool. You know, and, uh, you know, he's standing on the water and he says it'll be important for later. Yeah, so she, she heads out to, to see the pool, that. lowers her foot to the water, and cut to credits. Yeah. So yeah. did, you know, we don't know. Did did she get his powers? Yeah. W- was that true? Uh, Sister Night Manhattan would be like the coolest thing. <laughs> and I gotta be honest, the first time I watched it, I didn't think she was worthy. I didn't think she deserved. I thought she was too prone to her emotions, to her anger. Um, oh, cause I, she's I, a black I, woman. I get it. Nah, Ty, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't think anyone me. deserves this power. But on the rewatch. I don't know. I am a little more convinced because I think the idea that she's willing to act no matter what, that she will refuses to 
be a slave to fate might be, you know, what the world needs. Maybe that's why he chose her, because he knew, you know, she didn't desire that power, but she would use it. And that's the best person to give the power to is the person who doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, you know, and the fact that that she will act and just not be one of those complicit individuals and that, you know, she doesn't have the privilege of being able to stand by and watch certain things happen. You know, I yeah. think that's important. And also, like, you know, she's, I don't know, I guess she's an older person. Technically, John Osterman was 30 when he became Dr. Manhattan, but I don't know. Yeah. She's, she has a lot She has a lot of experience, I'll say that. She does, and she, you know, she has a lot of inherent trauma. She's, you know, she's a person of color. She's dealt with a, with a lot in her life, you know. John was a, he was a scientist, you know, and, and obviously, it, you know, he had some experience as a child, as we learned in the series, but... Um, I think the place she's coming from, you know, she has an incentive to make the world a better place. And uh, if she does get these powers, maybe she will. Maybe she won't. We don't know. And that's where where it left off. And I cannot recommend this uh, this this show enough. Um, if you if you have never read Watchmen before, you'll probably still like it. Uh, if you if you have read Watchmen before, you'll probably love it. Um, you know, it really, it really, it really is just, um, it was, it was eye opening. It was artful. It was creative. And, uh, you know, everybody involved put together an, a truly amazing show that would, that would, you know, ha- ha- have some relevance, uh, some pertinence to our current political climate, just as, uh, the original Watchmen did. And also, you know, speak about the black experience in a way that, that a lot of us aren't familiar with. You know, not, yeah, not people. T- teaching us about <laughs> Tulsa and, and so many other things. And, and, you know, little did they know how important this would be, you know, in, in, you know, a year or so we would be dealing with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement regaining such, an, such a resurgence yeah. of after so much horrible things have happened to black people again. And, you know, you watch the series now and it's like, wow. <laughs> Um, and I enjoyed it more on the, on the rewatch, actually. You know, I think I was processing a lot the first time. So, you know, maybe give it two watches. I think there's a lot to, to dissect here. Um, I don't know what they would do if they did a sequel. My guesses would be obviously dealing with Angela, maybe having her blossoming powers, whether it's an overnight thing or, or slowly over, over, you know, several episodes and probably the trial of Adrian Veidt. So, you know, while that would be interesting, I'm, I'm totally okay with them never, ever doing And, of course, season. Night Owl. Yeah, yeah, and potentially you know. finding out is Night Owl in prison? Has he been there this whole time? I think I think him? he I think it has been confirmed that he's in prison according to PDpedia. But, okay. Uh, yeah, but that's that's about it. And I think speaking of PD, I think uh, he stays behind in Tulsa. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to the rewatch now that I don't have to stop and take notes and everything. Although there still probably will be a few times when um. <laughs> When I'm when I'm like, oh damn it, I should have mentioned that in the fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, guys. Nine episodes. We did our best. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was really great, and you know, the story speaks to itself. And that there was a certain point where we just started talking about that, and not necessarily, you know, the the themes of race and everything. Like, um, because you know, it's there for you. You know, uh, you, you can't. You know, they don't beat you over the head with it, but you can't escape it. Trust that. Um, yeah. but it's also just, it's a, it's a great Watchmen story. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that is all I have to say about that. I'm, I'm proud we got through nine episodes, dude. Me too. I, I'm, we I'm happy this. we reviewed this. Um, it's a, it's a great series and it's a great successor to Watchmen. 
So uh, definitely check it out. If, you're, if, you, if you've watched the series or listening to this and you haven't read the original work, please go back and read it. It is a probably, arguably, the, the, the best, most brilliant comic ever written. It, it's so influent, influential on so many comics to come. So I hope this inspires you to, to read the comic, to watch the series, to think about um, our, our country a little bit more and what you know black people are going through. Um, it, it's a tough time right now in the world. Uh, I don't think we even mentioned it, but uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away recently too. So, oh, that's right. A, We're talking yeah. about a DC property, and we have we hadn't even well a Marvel character. We, we <laughs> a haven't even mentioned character. a guy who is famous for playing a, a for, comic book character, playing um, the, the the first real like superhero, you know, black protagonist. I, I know we had Blade, but you know, obviously Black Panther was huge, and you reviewed it, yeah. so. You know, yeah. guys go back and listen to that. But uh Thank you so much. Yeah, we had um yeah, we had Josh on to discuss it and you know, obviously not like the first black superhero or the first, you know, main black super blah blah blah. But like it it was huge. It was the first majority black cast uh superhero film that's come out that's not a black exploitation fi- flick. Yep. Um, you know, and uh with the MCU behind it and Disney and everything and nominated uh, you know, for Chad- Academy Awards. Yeah, and uh, you know, Chadwick is also known for uh, portraying James Brown, Jackie Robinson, um, you know, really, really iconic black roles. And, uh, you know, it turns out that while he was, you know, filming all these awesome action movies for our enjoyment, he had been suffering from colon cancer the entire time. He Actually, he had been fighting against colon cancer the entire time yeah. and, um, you know, kept it very close to the chest. Not a lot of people knew. 43 years old. And uh, yeah. you know, just think of how much he how much he had done with his time, and he didn't. You know, he didn't, how much he he didn't want pity, right? He didn't want people feeling bad for him. He just wanted to make a difference, uh, and I think he did. He was an inspiration for for so many young black kids. You know, a, a hero on screen and off. Yeah, and um, maybe you and I can have an episode where we talk about what they do next with Black Panther. Oof. But seeing as we uh, recently changed pod podcast uh, platforms, you know, pl- podcast hosts. Maybe we'll maybe we'll put that one behind a paywall, you know, get get a little something for our extra time and, oh. and energy. We'll see we'll see how it goes. That being said, um, we may not, uh, you might not find us on Podbean anymore. I'm pretty sure you still can, but you can find us all, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the iHeartRadio app. Uh, you should also be able to find us on Stitcher pretty soon, I believe. Um, you know, and you can listen to us and rate and review us on all those platforms. Uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter at PolitiPopPod. Find us on Instagram at PolitiPopPodcast. Email us at PolitiPopCast at gmail.com. Find our show notes and sources at PolitiPopPodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, today we're going to be writing out on a song that I think is very appropriate for the Cal Dr. Manhattan. It's going to be Dr. Evil's rendition of What If God Was One of Us. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us Blue, 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 blue Yeah, blah, blee, blee, blee No, I'm kidding. It's not going to be that one. It's actually going to be um, another anti-flag song, or anti-flag, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I can't get over... Uh, Either way, they don't like the flag. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, it's called Christian Nationalist, uh, which you know kind of just talks about the idea that regardless of what what face uh, white supremacy takes, um, it's still white supremacy, no matter what face it takes. And, yeah. uh, you know, they have like, you know, like, and there's like, oh, Trump, Reagan, the Klan, blah, 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 you know, these religious extremists, blah, blah, blah. Like, so, uh, yeah, that that's what we're going to be closing out on because this entire uh, series is about legacies and about how, you know, no matter, you know, something, something's 
don't change, but something should. You know what I mean? Uh, that, you know, of course, we have Will Reeves and Angela and carrying on their legacy, but also, you know, like the Klan is still a bad guy. <laughs> like, you know, they may be under different names, but white supremacy is still very much alive. You have to be aware of it. And, um, you know, even even the superheroes have trouble fighting it sometimes. So <laughs> that being said, uh, for the Politipop podcast, I've been Mike Booch. I've been Ty. And no matter what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to, folks, never stop thinking, never stop learning. And always remember to please read between those lines. History is rife with the likes of you. Welcome to another ep- Oh, that's way too loud. Sorry, I gotta reset my levels. Holy fuck. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Okay. Welcome. Why is it? Okay. I just, I think I'm just being too loud. I think that's it. I think you're just <laughs> fucking crazy right now. That's very possible. Here we go. <laughs> and like Trump's, you know, pointing to stuff that's happening in his presidency. Excuse me. Uh, okay. Uh, for lack of a better word, vanished to, uh, or banished to. Fuck. <laughs> Hold on. I can't let people know that's stupid. <clears throat> Where Vite has been, for lack of a better word, banished to, and um, uh, <laughs> I can't. I guess I'm thinking about it. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I got this. I got this. I got this. Just lost my train of thought about. Yeah. I got, I got a, oh, you got a Vite thing? All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, I don't remember. Grandfather and, uh, and her kids and. Sorry, I was, uh, taking I didn't, I didn't watch the scene, so like, I'm like, uh, I didn't okay. watch the scene, so I don't fucking remember anything that happens right. here. Definitely. Uh, did you just did you say Adrian got arrested? Because I was looking at my notes when you started that sentence. I did say Adrian got okay, arrested. Okay, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. I want to yeah. make sure I was following what you were saying. Yeah. You know, uh, at okay. the and scene. Oh, there we go.